The word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 26, verses 17 through 30. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, For the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Here's a stumper for Holy Thursday. As Jesus and the disciples are eating the Passover together, Jesus takes the bread, blesses it, breaks it, and gives it to the disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body. That's not exactly a stunner, I know. You've heard that a few times before. But the question is this, why did he take the bread? He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the final Passover lamb to whom all the other Passover lambs point, and he is eating the Passover lamb with his disciples. If you're writing the screenplay for this, it only makes sense that if he is the fulfillment of the Passover lamb, then the lamb can now carry on his fulfillment. In other words, why doesn't he take a portion of lamb, bless it, and give it to the disciples and say, Take, eat, this is my body. Why the bread instead? Well, the spoiler is, we don't know for sure. The lamb seems like a slam dunk. But Jesus also calls himself the living bread from heaven in John 6, drawing comparisons between himself and the manna that fell from heaven daily when the Israelites were in the wilderness. 
And he says things like, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So with those verses in mind, the bread makes a great element. There might be a better connection, though. After all, as the text says, at the time of the Last Supper, the Passover meal takes place as just part of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. For God directed that every year the Jews remember the Exodus with both the Passover meal and then by not eating leavened bread for a week. He called the unleavened bread the bread of affliction, saying, For you came out to the land of Egypt in haste. And sure enough, the Israelites in Egypt celebrated the Passover in haste with no time for leavened bread to rise. For when the Lord acted, the departure from bondage came quickly. So the bread of the Passover meal was called the bread of affliction. And Jesus takes that bread, blesses it, breaks it, and gives it to the disciples saying, Take, eat, this is my body. His body which will soon be afflicted with beatings, with thorns, with scourging, and with crucifixion in their place for their sins. In your place for your sins. At the very least, the bread of affliction is a good reminder of Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5, that surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Now, if the disciples are puzzled by Jesus' words with the bread, we don't know. But what Jesus does next is bound to get their attention. He takes a cup of wine and says, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. There's a lot of blood in the Old Testament. Blood was shed with all sorts of sacrifices, and blood marked things too. For instance, the Passover lamb's blood marked the doors of the Israelites' homes in Egypt to save the lives of the firstborn males inside. But Jesus' words here aren't meant to point us first to the Passover. He chooses words that point us to Mount Sinai. There, in Exodus 24, Moses read the law of God to the people. Then he sacrificed oxen, threw the blood on the people, and declared, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. The people were marked as God's people because a sacrifice was made and blood was shed. There was one thing in the Old Testament that the people never did with blood, though. They never consumed it. God declared that forbidden because the blood was the life of the animal, he said. And he added, it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. 
In other words, God reserved the use of blood for himself to make atonement for the sins of the people. After thousands of years of God commanding, Thou shalt not consume blood, here Jesus takes the cup and says, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. None of the evangelists tell us how the disciples react to these words. They're already sorrowful because Jesus has just predicted his betrayal, and this might come as a bigger shock to the system. Whatever their reaction, Jesus' words indicate that something unheard of, something new, something earth-shaking is happening here. Whatever the thoughts of the disciples, the purpose that Jesus gives is this. It is for the forgiveness of sins. So there is far more happening with the Lord's Supper than we can comprehend, much less squeeze into a sermon. And one of the great temptations that you face is taking it for granted as just a weekly thing you do, a duty, a box to check as a Christian. But let me give you a few thoughts to add to your meditations. We began Lent with Ash Wednesday in the imposition of ashes. If you participated in that, you stood in line so that I could tell you that you're going to die because of sin, which is not my favorite rite. This evening, the service began as a bookend to that. As we stand on the eve of Good Friday, you stood in line so that we pastors could tell you that you're going to live. Something has happened to change the message, to flip it on its head. That change is that you are forgiven for your sins because Jesus has exchanged your sin for his righteousness. He has taken your place in death and he has joined you to his place in life. That exchange took place for you personally in your baptism where Jesus joined you to his death and resurrection. There, in baptism, you died and were buried with Christ, but you didn't feel the scourge or the nails or the damp cold of the grave. You felt a splash of water on your head because Jesus did the suffering and the dying in your place. Tonight, you receive a bit of unleavened bread, rightly called a host, because it will deliver to you the body of Christ. Whether or not Jesus chose bread instead of lamb to recall the bread of affliction, do not forget it. The people of Israel ate the bread of affliction as they were delivered from bondage in Egypt and on their way to the promised land. And you eat this meal as now you are delivered from bondage to sin and death. You do not suffer the affliction for your sins and sinfulness. Christ suffered all that in his body on the cross. Again, instead of a cross, you receive bread and the body of Christ, afflicted for you and given for you, so that you might have salvation. Tonight, 
you receive the blood of Christ. Jesus keeps referring to the cup rather than the wine within at the supper, perhaps to draw us to his prayer in Gethsemane, just nine verses later where he prays, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. The cup in his prayer in the garden is the cup of God's wrath. His wrath for all sin, including your sin. That cup is for you, but Jesus willingly accepts it and drinks it to the dregs. Now, instead of suffering the wrath of God, you taste a sip of wine. For Christ has drunk the wrath and shed his blood for your redemption. You're not just marked with the blood of Christ, though. You drink it. What was once forbidden is now given. Where it was once forbidden because blood is life, it is now given because Jesus is your life. Where it was once reserved by God for atonement, it is given you to drink because Jesus has made atonement for your sin, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you of your sin. The gift of the supper is worthy of endless contemplation, along with its sacramental companion, holy baptism. Were you to contemplate the wages of sin for much time, your meditations would include the horror of a burdened conscience, your helplessness against legions of demons, the terror of God's righteous wrath, the agony that comes if he withdraws his mercy, the terror of death, and the horror of hell. In place of all that, the Lord splashes you with water, joining you to his death and resurrection. And he feeds you bread and wine, and so delivers to you his body and blood. For the forgiveness of sins. And where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. Now, we know some will dismiss the sacraments as so simple and so common that they can't possibly do any good. But by faith, you see that the Lord vanquishes sin and death with them because Christ the conqueror dwells with you in them for your salvation. He has taken the wrath that rightly belongs to you and in exchange... He gives you all that belongs to him. The kingdom of heaven is yours. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.